Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Velakis, and I'm an expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist and, of course, your host. And if you didn't know already, I am super passionate about supporting people to optimize their preconception nutrition and health to have healthy and happy babies. Now, if you haven't already, I would recommend downloading the preconception lifestyle checklist. It's completely free. It's a handy one-page guide for females and males with some tips on nutrition, lifestyle, supplements, and environment to enhance your health and boost fertility. The link is in the show notes, so head on over and grab your copy. Now, in this episode, we are diving into a big myth that I have to bust nearly daily, which is about gluten and it being universally, quote unquote, bad for fertility. Now, I am going to have a really nuanced conversation here based on the evidence and share these facts with you, but I want to make it really clear. This isn't about me discounting your personal experiences, okay? And I want to make sure that I'm creating a really safe and comfortable environment for you all in this digital space or in this digital uh, room, if you will. So if you're someone who's reduced your gluten intake and you're feeling great, then I certainly don't want to negate that experience for you, but I am really going to be laying down the facts in this arena. So let's get into it. First of all, what is gluten? I have this hilarious video that I always flick back to in my brain, and I think I came across it when I was studying dietetics at university. And I remember showing it in a presentation just to get a few laughs going. And it was one of the, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel's um, TV show. And he went around interviewing people all around LA and asking them, so what is gluten? And people would respond, bread or pasta or, you know, even some people said rice, which is inaccurate, or carbs. And very few people could actually tell the interviewer what is gluten. So gluten is a protein. So it's the protein component that is common across a few different types of grains, namely wheat, rye and barley, triticale and spelt. Now, it's not limited to those things, but certainly mostly found in those foods. So grains. Now, wheat, barley, rye, triticale and spelt can be found in flours, breads, pastas, baked goods, biscuits, cakes, pastries, muffins, banana breads, lots of different foods. And sometimes foods that you wouldn't even know contain potential gluten-containing grains. 
as my celiac friends would know. So the question, now that we know what gluten is, is can gluten hurt your fertility? There is one particular group of people where this is absolutely true, and this is in the case of celiac disease and especially undiagnosed celiac disease amongst both females and males trying to conceive. So if you haven't listened to episode 37, where I talk more about what is celiac disease and its relationship to fertility, go back to episode 37 with Sally Marchini, my fellow dietitian, to learn more. But just briefly, celiac disease is an autoimmune condition affecting about 2% of the planning a pregnancy population, so both females and males, which is double that of the rest of the population, which is 1%, and can be a factor to consider in the world of unexplained infertility. Now, most importantly, we cannot eliminate gluten before getting this test done for accuracy. Just because you have the gene for celiac disease doesn't mean you do actively have celiac disease. So really important not to eliminate gluten because that's actually what your body's reacting to, and that's how we're going to get a show up of a result in your blood test. So Celiac disease management requires a very strict, lifelong, gluten-free diet. So what does this mean in the context of maybe your friend who's cut back on gluten because it makes her tummy feel funny versus somebody with celiac disease? Well, somebody with celiac disease couldn't share a toaster with somebody who had gluten-containing bread in there and wasn't thoroughly cleaned out. Somebody with celiac disease would need to ask a waiter if their hot chips are coated in a wheat-containing flour and whether their deep fryer for their gluten-free chicken schnitzel is shared with the gluten-containing chicken schnitzel. So it is another layer of attention to detail that we need to consider when it comes to celiac disease. It is not just about not having pasta or bread anymore. Okay. Now, the reason why celiac disease can impact fertility, in particularly undiagnosed or unmanaged celiac disease, is because it can cause physical damage to the lining of the intestines which then affects the way that we absorb key nutrients to support preconception and fertility and pregnancy health, namely folic acid, iron, calcium, and vitamin D. So we really need to make sure that this is not the case, especially before reducing gluten load in the diet. So if you have been screened for celiac disease and you're certain you don't have celiac disease, there is no research benefit to avoid gluten for the average person trying to conceive, including if you have PCOS, because I get that question a lot too. Uh, I know there's a pretty popular Instagram account that really strongly advocates for a gluten-free diet for PCOS, but unfortunately there is no scientific research to support that at all. And similarly, there is no scientific research to support that people who follow a gluten-free diet are conceiving more easily or responding better to fertility treatments. And it has been studied in some small groups and there is no association there. So really interesting to note that. Um, And I think it's important to make a really big point of this because I do see a lot of other practitioners recommending a gluten-free diet blanketly to anyone trying to conceive without good justification and with no studies to back it up either. And the downsides of this is that 
you're having a restrictive diet and I'll get more to those downsides and risks in a moment. But I just wanted to note there may be a couple of groups who kind of sit in between the no research benefit group and the celiac disease group. So there's people that may benefit from a trial of a gluten-free diet with supervision of a dietitian. So the first group is people with endometriosis. And the reason why that may be helpful is we do have a small study of about 200 people who went gluten-free with endometriosis for 12 months. And they showed that 75% of them had an improvement in symptom profile, not fertility, was measured and not inflammation was measured. None of those things were measured. Um, It was just about symptom profile. The other 25% said that there was no worsening or no improvement with going gluten-free. Okay. So that's the first group. The second group is people with potentially Hashimoto's thyroiditis may benefit from Uh, trialing a gluten-free diet to see if it can help with managing some of the thyroid autoantibodies. Now, you must have already been tested for celiac disease and same with the endo group because both of these groups do have a higher risk of being diagnosed with celiac disease. So we want to make sure that that has been excluded because, again, the level that you can go gluten-free for these groups is not going to be the same as a strict gluten-free diet for celiac disease, right? So, these aren't going to have a direct impact on fertility in the sense that if you go gluten-free for endometriosis, is that going to boost your fertility? Well, it may via a very indirect pathway. For example, if you're in that 75% and you have a reduction in endometriosis-related pain and you're able to have more sexual intercourse without endometriosis-related pain, for example, which is a common symptom of endometriosis, you may get an increased chance of conception right, via the increased frequency of sexual intercourse. Now, with Hashimoto's, if the gluten-free diet is helping you with your thyroid autoantibody management, then you're going to have a better thyroid hormone profile. You have a better thyroid hormone profile. You've got better menstrual cyclicity, so more regular and predictable cycles and ovulation, and that increases the chance of conception. So it's not like eliminating gluten one for one directly improve fertility. There's a lot of kind of steps and chains, links in that chain rather, that has that flow on effect that may have a potential benefit for fertility. But it is tenuous um, and it's certainly not a blanket coverage for these diagnoses. Everyone needs to be going gluten-free. And in fact, I find I'm taking a lot of people off gluten-free diets in my practice because they haven't seen the benefit that they thought they would um, given their uh, lab results and their symptoms and so on. Now, if you find yourself subjectively feeling better when it comes to your general day-to-day, maybe bloating or health and keeping gluten content low, so maybe not a complete strict elimination, you still have a croissant on the weekend or something like that, but if you're finding that you've given that a go and you're feeling a lot better, I want to talk about why this could be happening. There's a few main reasons why. First is non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Now, you can have an intolerance or sensitivity to gluten without having celiac disease. Now, again, important to rule that out before you get to that assumption, but some people are going to have an improvement in symptoms because gluten was irritating their nerve endings, creating symptoms like bloating, gas, pain, um, and a variety of other peripheral symptoms as well. 
The next one is whether it was actually a fructan intolerance. Now, a fructan is a fermentable carbohydrate and it is found primarily in wheat, but when it comes to the gluten containing grains, but it's also found in other foods, um, including fruits and vegetables. So for some people, the reduction of wheat in particular, which is a gluten containing grain, can lead to an improvement in digestive symptoms like gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, stool consistency and frequency because they actually have more a fructan intolerance and that is probably more correlated to something like irritable bowel syndrome, for example. So fructans is one of the FODMAPs and a low FODMAP diet has been researched to help about 50 to 75% of people with irritable bowel syndrome. So Fructan intolerance is what I often find is the big confounding factor when it comes to people reporting feeling better on a gluten-free diet um, and when they, I probe them about what symptoms have gone away and they tend to be digestive, um, I can usually work out that it's a fructan intolerance with a few other tweaks as well. And the third key reason why I think that some people feel subjectively better being gluten-free is the question that I always ask is, did your overall dietary quality improve when you made that change? Did you start eating more fruit? Did you start eating more vegetables? Did you start having more lean proteins? Did you start drinking more water and exercising and going to sleep at a decent hour? And all these things. And usually the answer is yes. And the reason being is naturally gluten-free foods like fruit, veg, nuts, seeds, proteins, etc., are going to create a more nutrient-dense diet if your previous diet was mostly white bread, right? So sometimes it's an artifact of the dietary quality improving rather than the elimination of gluten. And that's a really important thing to reflect on as well. Now, there are a few key downsides to avoiding gluten without any research benefit. And it's really interesting because I guess we can kind of study the celiac disease population as well and see how their health is traveling um, because they must follow a strict gluten-free diet, right? So interestingly, we're seeing that there's a higher risk of not getting enough dietary fiber. So that can also increase your risks for things like bowel cancer, for example. And we know if we don't get enough dietary fiber, we're not going to poop regularly. If we don't poop regularly, we won't excrete any excess waste, including hormone wastes. If you want to learn more about that correlation, go back to one of the episodes in season one. I can't remember what episode it is now, but the gut hormone access. Go and listen to that episode because that explains it much better. Um So yes, you want to be pooping regularly, you want to be getting enough dietary fiber. So if you're following a gluten-free diet, making sure that someone has checked that you're getting enough dietary fiber is key because whole grains are often the thing that is on the chopping block and people think that they're not all that important, but they really are. Whole grains have been associated with a reduced risk of dying of any cause. So really important to make sure we're getting whole grains, even if they're not gluten-containing, Things like brown rice and quinoa and sorghum and buckwheat and amaranth and those kinds of grains are going to be very beneficial to help get your dietary fiber in. The other reason why whole grains are important is to support the uterine lining thickness for implantation. So a lot of people end up going on a grain-free diet when they go gluten-free because it's just easier, which I get, totally get that. But unfortunately, you're missing out on that potential benefit that you're going to get from those whole grains 
from a nutrition perspective, from a dietary fiber perspective, B vitamins, vitamin E, magnesium, etc., but also from that uterine lining thickness perspective as well. So important to get those in. Interestingly as well, people following a gluten-free diet tend to have a harder time re- reaching certain nutrient targets like zinc and iodine and folic acid uh, to name a few. So really important that your diet is actually adequate in other domains and that you're not just cutting out an entire food group, but you're actually swapping in relevant things if you are going to maintain a gluten-free diet for another reason. But I certainly do not want the message to be from this podcast to go and follow a gluten-free diet for fertility because I'm saying the exact opposite. There are a few certain situations where it might be considered, but it is certainly not a blanket diet that I would recommend or suggest. And I also recommend if you have been suggested to blanketly follow this diet without asking these questions or taking these factors into account or having it explained to you to just sit back and have a think about it. And if you have followed it for some time and you're not feeling any different, then chances are it's probably not making any difference to your health or well-being and certainly isn't going to impact your ability to conceive unless, of course, we're talking about celiac disease specifically. So that is a wrap on this gluten and fertility episode. I hope this answers a lot of the questions that may have been on your mind about this topic because it does come up a lot and I am really glad to have this one on the uh, books now because I'll be able to flick the link over to anyone who asks this question of me over on social media. So I hope it's been a useful one for you. Don't forget to download my preconception lifestyle checklist. The link is in the show notes below and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hit subscribe and share it with a family member or friend. We love it when you share the love and I will catch you in the next episode, everyone. Bye. (laughs) 